time for your show. I'm your host, Kevin Marshall. I'm coming to you from the flagship station of FCS Nation, Fox Sports, 1450 and 92.7 KGRZ in cold and snowy Missoula, Montana. Joining me like it does each week is the co-host of this program, Mr. Stone Labanowitz, who is in the sunshine state of Florida wearing shorts and a T-shirt. You can hate him, not me. But Stone, awful lot of games to get to from last week and a short time to get there. Let's just get to it. Let's do it. Sacramento State, 45. Portland State, 17. Loved what we saw from our boys, the Hornets. Man, these guys are just really good doing what they do. Scatterbo only needed nine carries to get 109 yards. Love watching these guys play. Portland State had nothing for them. This was the Hornets' 18th consecutive Big Sky Conference win and 14th straight road victory. This is not a fluke. When you win 18 in a row in your conference and 14 straight road games, you're pretty good. And Sac State was the definition of balance again with 214 yards through the air and 277 on the ground. Sets up a huge game this week against UC Davis in the Causeway Classic. South Dakota State, 31. Illinois State, 7. Man, here comes that South Dakota State running game late in the season. Mark even getting it going on the ground. 13 attempts for Mr. Gronowski, and he found pay dirt. Alongside the Robin to him being Batman, that's Isaiah Davis, also found pay dirt with 50 yards. Whenever these guys are running the ball, I think they're the scariest team in the FCS. Another great performance by that Jackrabbits defense, too, Stone. They held the Redbirds to less than 100 total yards with just 45 of those coming on the ground. Victory means that South Dakota State are the outright Missouri Valley Football Conference champions. They don't like to share, and they ain't going to have to. The Jacks now sit back and await their seed in the playoffs. North Dakota State 21, Southern Illinois 18. I knew this one had to hurt you, boy. It definitely did, and I think watching these Bison play – I always find myself asking me myself, like, why can't defenses get a stop? Like, what is it? I don't understand how they're just allowing teams to run the ball right down their throat. And really what I figured out, and this isn't anything wise, right? If you've been watching the Bison more than I have, you understand this. But they put themselves in such good down and distance positions like a second and short picking up eight yards on first down, finding themselves in a lot of third and ones, third and twos, third and threes. When you're doing that, man, you're going to control the clock, and there's just nothing the opposing offense is going to do. They're not going to have enough time when they get on the field. So, shouts to the Bison here. Big win. You know, sometimes stats are meaningless, right? And this was one of those games. The Bison only rushed the ball for 149 yards and had 80 yards passing, but they really controlled the football game. They did end up on the left side of the score, and that's all that really matters. But this was a game the Salukis had to have, but the Bison just made all the plays when it mattered the most. Montana State, 72. Cal Poly, 28. I think the Bobcats just scored again. (laughs) Now, this is the statement you want to make when you have Reese Davis, Pat McAfee, Desmond Howard, and the rest of the boys coming to town. 72 points. Give it up for the Cats, man. Cannot wait to watch this weekend. Cal Poly, we know they can score, and they did. 28's nice for them, but... I don't even have to go through any statistics for this game. Montana State, no punts, just ran up that scoreboard till the thing went black. I've got a couple of stats which were impressive, Stone. A program record for the Bobcats, 554 yards rushing, Ooh! And, they, and they scored on all eight of their first-half possessions. Bobcats brought their backups in after that, and they did more of the same. A great tune-up for a gigantic brawl of the wild game in Bozeman in front of ESPN College Game Day this week. Samford, 35. Chattanooga, 24. 
Give it up for our boy Michael Hires, almost completing 81% of his passes, 353 yards, four touchdown day, and guess what, Kev? No turnovers, and these Bulldogs are absolutely rolling. Had a chance to sit down with Michael, and boy, did I enjoy that interview, but so efficient. Chattanooga, we know how good that Mox defense is. What Michael was able to do was super, super impressive, and I asked him a lot about it. Look, Sanford was also able to run the ball. Two backs combined for about 120 yards. If they can do that, they're going to be tough for anybody to beat in the playoffs. Got one more mile to go this week, though, with a home game against Mercer, who's going to play their guts out because they want to get in the playoff field. But we've been saying it for a while. This Samford team is for real. And the Bulldogs clinched the outright Southern Conference Championship for the first time since 2013. Nobody else saw it coming but them. Samford was picked to finish sixth in the SOCON in the preseason. What do we know, those of us that vote in the preseason polls? Obviously not much. UC Davis, 44, Idaho, 26. This one surprised me. Yeah, I think it surprised everybody. But what these guys are able to do on the ground is just oh so impressive. They didn't even give Idaho a chance. A lot of football games play out like that, right? You're like, why does the scoreline look the way they did? Idaho didn't touch the ball as much as UC Davis, and that's just flat out the truth. Yolanzo Gilliam, come on, man. Handing the ball to him 31 times, 173-yard, three-touchdown performance for the Cat. I mean, God, this, this result was really surprising, but when you go ahead and look at time of possession, I mean, I guess it adds up, Kev. Wow, what a win. UC Davis dominated this game from Jump Street, just like Stone said, and look, they just could not get off the field, the Vandals. Yolanzo Gilliam just gashed them. And, you know, when you look at it, you say, wow, you know, maybe Idaho was due for a game like this. Maybe, you know, they've beat up on teams that aren't as physical as UC Davis is. But that's a very physical UC Davis team. And that's going to be a whale of a game between them and SAC this week. Furman, 23, Mercer, 13. Another surprising result, Kev. If I remember correctly, we were both on this Mercer Bears side when it came to our pick segment last week. But Furman, impressive, impressive win. We talked about Fred Payton kind of being the difference maker in this game. He's the name we kept bringing up, but it's tough when they take away your first and second down run game. I mean, Mercer only had 53 yards on the ground. That right there is how you lose a ball game. Well, and it was a dominant defensive effort by the Paladins' defensive line. They have two guys who were single digits on their defensive line, and they were the difference in this football game. You mentioned 53 yards rushing. Well, they had to use their back, who's good, out of the backfield catching passes because they just couldn't run the ball. And the Paladins were able to get pressure without having to blitz. They're rushing four guys and flushing Peyton out of the pocket. Nobody's really done that to them this year. This was a huge win on the road for the Purple Paladins. They have a game this week against Wofford that's going to be sneaky good. Wofford is a much better team than they were a month and a half ago. So no easy in here for the Furman Paladins to the playoffs. But they may have punched their ticket with this win over Mercer. I expected Mercer to put up points, and they just didn't. It was a good football game, but give credit to that Furman defense. They've been outstanding all season. Richmond, 21, Delaware, 13. So realistically, this game was decided by Delaware turning the ball over. You look at Nolan Henderson, two interceptions in that running back committee, two fumbles. So, you know. Similar phrase to what I used about two minutes ago. That is how you lose a ball game, exactly. But I'll tell you this, Kev. Watching Reese Yadinsky and watching this coaching staff and learning how much trust they have in him. I mean, he threw it 42 times. Not a, not a single touchdown, but 300, 301 yards through the air. Super impressive, but give it up for that spider defense. 
And that fourth down completion for 45 yards mm. from Reese to Jerry Garcia kept the Richmond football team trucking to an FCS playoff berth and an opportunity to win the CAA championship. You see what I did there? I did. <laughs> and, and look, uh, 28 balls for 301 yards and five field goals. Okay, need to be better in the red zone if you're Richmond. Sure. But their defense was outstanding, outstanding. And that first half, Delaware could get nothing going, and they maybe tired a little bit towards the end, but Richmond made the plays when they needed to. And here is the top 25 for week 11. Others have their own. This is ours, and here it is. Number one, the Sacramento State Hornets. Number two, the South Dakota State Jackrabbits. Number three, the North Dakota State Bison. Number four, the Montana State Bobcats. And rounding out the top five, the Samford Bulldogs. Number six, Weber State Wildcats. Number seven, the Furman Paladins. Number eight, the William and Mary Tribe. Rising to number nine, the Incarnate Word Cardinals. Number 10, the Jackson State Tigers. Number 11, the Richmond Spiders. Number 12, the Chattanooga Mocs. Number 13, the UC Davis Aggies with a bullet. Number 14, the Idaho Vandals. 15, the Montana Grizzlies. Number 16, the Holy Cross Crusaders. Number 17, the North Dakota Fighting Hawks. Number 18, the New Hampshire Wildcats. And number 19, the Elon Phoenix. Number 20, the Mercer Bears. 21, the Southeast and Louisiana Lions. Number 22, Delaware's Fighting Blue Hens. Number 23, the Colonels of Eastern Kentucky. Number 24, the Red Hawks of SEMO. And rounding out the top 25 and making their first appearance in a minute, Abilene Christian. It's time for us to take a quick time out. We'll be right back. You're listening to FCS Nation on the Palmetto Radio Network. Welcome back to FCS Nation on the Palmetto Radio Network. Been wanting to have this next guest on for quite a while. Glad we're finally able to do it. There's a lot of people that cover Montana and Montana State, but the Nuanez brothers, Coulter and Brooks, man, they live it. Very pleased to be joined by Mr. Coulter Nuanez. Thanks for being here, dude. Thanks for having me, Kevin. A great pleasure, and uh, always liked your show as well, so uh, glad we can collaborate. Me too, man. It's been a long time coming. So this is the 121st meeting of the Brawl of the Wild. It'll be my 12th I've seen in person, so I think I have a little bit of an idea, but explain to people outside of the state of Montana what this game means in this state. Well, I think that on its most positive note, I think that this is a celebration of, of many of our most talented young men, and I think that's what I hope uh, people always take away from it first and foremost. It's going to be a battle on the field this year like it is every year. and uh, But it is such a great moment in time where we can celebrate so many guys from this state. I mean, 51 guys from Montana will suit up for the Grizzlies, and 42 will suit up for Montana State. And uh, you know, for people that aren't familiar with the state of Montana, I mean, there's guys that will play in this game, that, that, are, that, are, that will stand out in this game, that are from towns, of less than 100 people. I mean, last time I checked, I think Bellstone, Montana, is about 80 people. And they, they have a defensive end, Montana State does, and Brody Greeby, who, uh, who had to drive about an hour and a half to even go to high school in Roundup because they didn't have a football team in, in Melstone when he was first there. So uh, that's the kind of stuff that, that really resonates with people. You know, if you get a, a guy from a town like that, it didn't matter if it was a Grizz town, it's turned into a cat town, and, you know, and vice versa, too. If you get a guy from a tiny little town like Eureka, for example, where Garrett Graves is from, you know, that, that's a grizz town quickly, and so I think it's a great way for people to come together. It's sort of like, I mean, college football has become almost religion in, in Montana, and I know that's not atypical. I mean, there's listeners probably from the south and in Texas that 
that comment resonates with. But I, I think that the best export that Montana has is football. It's, it's the thing that we get recognized for on national stage, even if it is sometimes in passing at the highest level. And I think that's what makes people uh, have so much pride in the in their two football teams as well as in this game. Look, I am a Citadel guy. The Military Classic of the South is my rivalry. And we like to say you can throw out the records. And in that game, it's true. It's true in this one too, isn't it? It is for sure. The thing that's been really cool about this rivalry over the last 20 years is, I mean, as people know, you know, Montana dominated this thing uh, for quite some time. And from the mid-'80s through the early 2000s, 16 in a row, the Grizzlies won. That was coming off the tail end of the Cats really dominating the 70s and mid-'80s in the rivalry. But since Montana State came to Missoula in 2002 and snapped the streak, it's been dead even. But not only has it been dead even – in terms of wins and losses between these two squads, it's also more often than not been a game that determines a playoff spot or two, playoff seeding, uh, Big Sky Conference championships. More often than not, the winner of this game has been in the mix to at least share, if not outright, win the Big Sky Conference title. I think that's what's become so cool about it is you can throw the records out the window, but I think that the rivalry is at its best when both teams are playing not only to beat their rival, but also playing for something bigger like a playoff spot or a playoff seed. And we have that scenario again this year. FCS Nation, we're joined by Mr. Coulter Nuanez from SkylineSportsMT.com. Coulter, what kind of game are you expecting? Both of these teams are extremely stubborn, want to run the football, and I think maybe some big plays are going to decide it. Yeah, I think that when you look at the actual matchup, it's, it's diametrically opposed styles. You have this Grizz team that wants to just punch you in the face as hard as they possibly can, knock you on your heels, and then just keep beating you into the corner. That's, that's what the Grizz want to do. Is they want to seize the momentum, carry the momentum, and bury you. And when they can do that, they're as good as anybody in the country because they are just so ferocious on defense. They run to the ball as well as any team I've covered. And uh, when they're clicking on special teams, that can be a game-changing element of the game too. But one phase of the game leads to the next for the Grizz, and so often how they start and how they're able to set the tone – has such an impact on the style they want to play. Montana State's the complete opposite of that. Montana State is steady Eddie. They just want to feel out the game, make the adjustments where they see fit, and then get to the end of the game and figure out a way to pull it out. And they've pulled it out multiple times this year when you thought they were just left for dead, whether it was at Eastern Washington to open up conference play or down in Flagstaff to beat NAU. But, I mean, they, they, they've only won – I mean, they had, they've had three different victories by a grand total of 16 points at Big Sky Conference play. And if it wasn't for those 16 points, they might have the exact same league record as the Grizz. But they figured out a way to finish games. Now, are they going to be able to sort of navigate the waters and be steady Eddie like that for the duration of this game when Montana wants to just knock you out right away? So it is diametrically opposed styles, but I also think you got strength versus strength. you got the best run team in the country. That's not a triple option outfit in Montana State, averaging 317 yards per game on the ground. And then uh, on the uh, Montana side of things, you've got the best run defense in the conference and uh, a defensive attack that's predicated on and sells out to stop the run. So uh, in terms of the actual X's and O's, I think you got strength versus strength. But in terms of the styles, I think you have completely opposite styles. So I think that whoever can dictate the tone and who plays the game their style, I think that's going to be a deciding factor in this football game. It's huge that college game day is going to be in Bozeman, isn't it? I know the Missoula people are a little upset because they tried real hard last year, but it's a great showcase for the Big Sky Conference and for football in the Treasure State. Well, that's exactly right, and, and that's the way that I'm uh, taking it, and I, that's the way I hope everybody takes it is that there's a lot of things that go into the decision of college game day. Um, 
you know, venue and program prestige and all that is part of it, but also accessibility, the way the schedule worked out on the national level, all sorts of things go into why Bozeman was chosen this year and maybe why Missoula wasn't a year ago. And I don't think it's one or the other. I think people should just realize that they chose the rivalry and they chose the state. And it doesn't really matter if it's in Missoula or Bozeman. It's a wonderful opportunity for us as Montanans to put our best foot forward and to showcase what makes this state the best. And, uh, you know, I just think that one of the things that makes this state the best is you have a bunch of independent thinking people who also love freedom, who also love helping out their neighbor. And so I hope that that's what people express to uh, the outsiders coming in for college game day is, is just how nice the folks are here in Montana. And I hope that we can all sort of share this as Montanans and just enjoy it for what it is, which is a huge opportunity, not only for the Bobcats, but also for Bozeman, for the state, uh, and for these two universities as a whole. The Grizz are going to get plenty of shine in this college game day show as well. So I hope everybody can sort of just realize this is a great opportunity for everybody involved. Well, that was well said. I mean, I was just a fellow who had a dream to have a FCS college football show who people here thought talk really funny and slow, and people welcomed me and embraced me. And, uh, you know, it's just been great for me to be here these last 12 winters. And when you come from a place like I do and you, and you move to a place like this, you tend to measure your time by the winners, Coulter. <laughs> Absolutely, man. And uh, it's it is uh, it's great to have you here. And But that is what Montana is all about is, is just the welcoming nature. And uh, so I hope everybody can realize that, you know, I've heard a lot of people saying, hey, well, we don't want college game day because we don't want uh, to show off Montana anymore because we don't want more people moving here. And it's like, well, it's just kind of the way that it is. It's a great place to live. People are going to figure it out. And uh, more than anything, though, uh, I hope we continue to to act as Montanans should and act as Montanans do. FCS Nation, that's been Mr. Coulter Nuanez from SkylineSportsMT.com. Thanks for making the time, Coulter. We'll see you on the sideline Saturday in Bozeman. I appreciate it, Kevin. Thanks so much for having me. Thanks for sticking with us during the break. You're listening to FCS Nation on the Palmetto Radio Network. Now time for the preview segment. This is where Stone Labanowitz and I will take a trip all around FCS Nation and preview the biggest games taking place in this, the final week of the regular season. Up first, number 13, UC Davis, is at number one, Sacramento State. This is a banger, Kevin. I cannot wait to watch this one. Both these teams, red, hot. I mean, here's the thing that I keep asking myself. How do you stop an explosive offense like Sacramento State. Well, you keep them off the field. How do you keep them off the field? You run the ball. We saw what UC Davis was able to do. We saw what Yulonzo Gilliam was able to do. That is the key for the Hornets. If they can slow homeboy down, maybe they have a chance. And I think they will. And I think Sacramento State is definitely going to get out of this one. I'm excited for the Causeway Classic. Look, Stone just broke it down for you extremely well. This is going to be one hell of a game, first off. And both of these teams, like Stone said, like to run the football and eat up the clock. But both of them have passing games that can stretch the field if they need it to. I believe this will be a game with a final score in the mid-30s somewhere. And the question is, who is going to make the most plays and who will hammer that line of scrimmage and control the game? They both can't do it. Someone's going to step up, one of those group of offensive linemen. And Stone Lebanowitz, I'm glad the pick segment is a little later. Because I'm going to need a little bit more time to get my <laughs> thoughts together and try to figure out who's going to win this one. These two schools are separated by 24 miles, hence the Causeway Classic. Number 17, North Dakota is at number three, North Dakota State. All right, so the Bison are favored here by 12 and a half points. 
Don't really care for North Dakota. Had a chance to call these guys' games. Tommy Schuster at the quarterback position. These guys just don't have enough offensively and defensively as far as weapons go to impact the Bison here as we get near the playoffs. Here's my favorite thing, though, with Dakota Twitter people, North and South. They like to hype these games up as if they're big kind of rivalry games. This one's not at all, so I've been pretty annoyed. On Twitter this week, I think the Bison beat up on them pretty bad. I'm never annoyed on Twitter. And speaking of Twitter... Man, that was some acting job you did in that ball game against South Dakota State in the playoffs, bro. I, you, you thought I was going to let you off without mentioning that. See, but man, uh, that was a nice man, sell that, job. That was something, I got to tell you. Uh, <laughs> acting is how that goes. But look, <laughs> this is a huge game in the Peace Garden State, no doubt. The Bison had the number four rushing offense in FCS, and the Fighting Hawks have the 43rd best rushing defense in FCS. That's not a good combination for North Dakota. And the thing about the Bison – for years, they've been able to continue to run the football even when defenses stack the box and dare them to throw it. They dare them to throw it, and they don't. And, man, I love that kind of arrogance, and they do it week after week after week. I believe North Dakota will do the same thing, stack that box, but I don't think it's going to be with any better results than anybody else has had. And quarterback Tommy Schuster must have a special day throwing the ball down the field. They've got to have big plays, and they must be clean to win at the Fargo Dome, which is a very, very tough thing to do. Number 15, Montana is at number four, Montana State and the Brawl of the Wild. Huge game over in Bozeman in front of College Game Day. All right, this one I'm struggling with, Kev, you know, because College Game Day is coming. Social media has been on fire. And me and you, two diehard FCFs guys, we want to put the best product out on the field. And I think people are going to be disappointed when they're going to have to watch Daniel Britt, the freshman quarterback, for Montana in this game because Lucas Johnson, the super senior, was spotted on crutches, didn't come out of the tunnel at half until later. I just, it's just unfortunate. It kind of hurts my heart because what a battle we would have between Tommy Malott and Lucas Johnson in the territory that we know is going to be oh so hostile. Pat McAfee in town, but it just sucks that Daniel Britt's going to have to play for Montana. So I think Montana State wins this one. Put a capital B on Brawl and just kind of beat these Montana guys down. I'm just really unfortunate that Lucas Johnson's on crutches. I'd be surprised if he doesn't give it a go and play, Stone. I think we're going to see Lucas Johnson. And the task is quite simple for the Montana Grizzlies here. Whip your rival in the Montana Super Bowl and you're in the playoffs, lose, and you're probably out. Mm. Both teams will run that football, and they're stubborn at times trying to do so. Montana State, best non-triple option rushing attack, not named the Bison you're ever going to see in FCS football. And like Stone mentioned, whereas quarterback Lucas Johnson did limp off the field last week, was spotted on crutches, but he jogged off the field. I think we're going to see him play. I think he'll play well. We'd love it. And I just don't know what we're going to see here. The Grizz defense is ferocious. We've said that all season. They can stop whatever it is you want to try to do. And look, in this ballgame, you can say throw the records out in a lot of rivalries. This one, it's really true. And I'm looking forward to seeing it in person on the sidelines. Should be a whale of a game. Lucas Johnson will play. I guarantee you that, or at least he'll try. And if he can play, He'll give the Grizz a spark. Should be a whale of a game. Number 20, Mercer is at number five, Samford. We were so high on Mercer earlier on in the season, but it just seems like they're reeling right now. A really tough loss, outplayed in all facets of the game to Furman. Michael Hires, we talked about him. Stone Cold quarterback segment on the way. But I do like the Bulldogs here more so than Mercer. I just like I said, I think they're just head trending in the wrong direction right now. 
We talked about their defense, but let up a lot of explosive plays last week. I'm just worried about this team personally. I like Sanford here. Look, if you'd have told Mercer that they'd give up mid-20s points to Furman, they would have said okay because you they would have thought they'd have won the football game pretty easily, you would <laughs> think, right? Earlier in the season, that's how it looked. But Mercer has to have this one to get in the playoffs, and Sanford has to have it to be a seed in the same playoffs. Normally, after a huge win where you win the conference championship on the road, like Sanford did last week, you're worried about a letdown, right? Don't think that's a worry for this Bulldog team. The Bulldog defensive line will be key here. If they can control a line of scrimmage the way that Furman did last week, it'll be a long day for the Mercer Bears. Number six, Weber State is at Northern Arizona in the Red Rocks rivalry. Brand new rivalry, brand new trophy. It's a pretty trophy too, Stone. Yeah, I just don't know how long this rivalry is going to last, three and seven, but Weber State, I've talked about how pissed off they were after losing a game that they felt as if they shouldn't, right? Special teams problem earlier on in the season, and then again a few weeks ago. I just, I think it's uh, bad news here for Northern Arizona. I don't know if the Lumberjacks can really keep this rivalry on top of float right now. Look, this is a tough place to play, that walk-up Sky Dome. And all the domes in the big sky, weird things seem to happen there. As Montana State found out just a couple of weeks ago, you know, needed one of the best plays you're ever going to see out of a quarterback to get down there and kick a game-winning field goal. And the defense for Weber State's excellent been that way all year. They'll probably clamp down on that lumberjack offense. But, you know, NAU has nothing to lose here, Stone. I think this is a real empty-the-playbook, like completely type of ball game. Should be really interesting in Flagstaff. The Walford Terriers are at number seven, Furman. I loved watching this Furman team last year, Kev. Tyler Huff looked sharp in that win over Mercer and kind of made me a fan. They kept it on the ground with him 10 times. I think he had uh, 80 yards and a touchdown, if I'm not mistaken. Excited to see what he can do against Walford. They're going to be on the field a lot. We know what this Walford offense has to offer, and that's not a whole bunch, so... Look for Tyler Huff. I'm a new fan. That's who I'll have my eye on. I lean Furman here all the way. Coming off a really, really big win against Mercer in a game they were not favored. So these guys riding high on confidence. Look, Walford's been a completely different team since they showed Josh Conklin the door. Sean Watson was named interim coach, and he has those guys believing and playing extremely hard for him. I think he's done enough to earn the permanent job. We'll see if the powers that be there in Spartanburg agree with me. If Furman's clean, they should win here, but the SoCon is funny, and we haven't had that game yet this year where people scratch their heads and go, what's happening here? So, I mean, we'll see. This could be the one. Number eight, William & Mary is at number 11, Richmond in the Capital Cup. Excited for this one, not going to lie. So, I've been begging for this William & Mary team to do things on offense, right? Put up prolific numbers. You guys have a lot of athletes, a lot of really talented skill players, and they did just that. They put up 45 last week. They did a lot on the ground. Two 100-yard rusher, two 100-yard rushers. One of them being the quarterback. Three passing touchdowns for Darius Wilson. And he didn't have that many attempts. So I've been waiting for a performance like that from Darius Wilson and this Tribe offense. They gave it to me. So for that, I'm rocking with them. I like them over Richmond. We saw Richmond pull out a really, really big win over Delaware, but I just think with what the Tribe were able to do on the ground, and if Darius Wilson can keep the ball out of the opposing secondary's hands, they have a real shot in this one. Tribe been mauling people on the ground lately, averaging 323 yards rushing in the last four contests. Richmond's been getting it done through the air all season. Should be a really interesting matchup there. The winner, 
will be CAA champs. Number nine, Incarnate Word is at Northwestern State. Northwestern State still has an outside shot at the conference title, but I don't think there's a whole lot to see here, Stone. Yeah, we saw Northwestern State's basketball team pull up an upset earlier this week against TCU. Well, Incarnate Word, that ain't no TCU. I know they share the same state, but this is going to be another Lindsey Scott show. But at the same time, I think that they try to, you know, keep them healthy. Don't let them do anything crazy. So I think the scoreline isn't going to be as bad as we all suspect it's going to be, but nothing more to read into here. Lindsey Scott, just sit back and enjoy this kid. He can flat out ball. Now, these next two ball games are kind of the same, I think. Uh, number 12, Chattanooga is at Western Carolina. And number 14, Idaho is at Idaho State. These are two bottom-dwelling teams in their respective conferences. I think Chattanooga and Idaho handle that business, don't you? Yeah, absolutely. And think about it. Chattanooga and Idaho coming off losses, so beautiful spot to avenge it. I agree with you 100%. Kennesaw State is at number 23, Eastern Kentucky. Stone, this one is intriguing. The Owls option game will probably give Eastern Kentucky some problems here. Yeah, I don't hate you for saying that, man, but I'm a Parker McKinney fan. You've heard me talk about him time and time again. Didn't do what they wanted to do last time out on the field. Really weird game. Got blown out by Jacksonville State, but the box score is not really depictive of the film that I kind of broke down. So Jacksonville State ran for 341 yards and didn't really give EKU a lot of time to work on offense, and Parker McKinney find them, found himself playing hero ball and they got themselves caught up. So I think they avenge themselves. I think they do what they want on offense, and this defense helps them out along the way. I like Eastern Kentucky here, but like you said, Kev, would not be surprised if those Owls get it going on the ground. Look, they gave up 300 yards rushing last week. Who runs the ball better than Kennesaw State? Nobody. We'll see. Stephen F. Austin is at number 25, Abilene Christian. Nice story for Abilene Christian. They're a pretty good football team. Stuff. Yeah, Abilene Christian's efficient. 45-28 win for Sam Houston State. Ethan Long wasn't their start at the beginning of the season, but a four-touchdown performance. Man, they got to be riding some sort of confidence. And as far as these Lumberjacks, man, they are not who we thought they were at the beginning of the season. So I'll have my eye on Ethan Long, a potential Stone Cold quarterback grab, right? These guys just topped into the top 25. So excited to watch this game. Do y'all remember when Stephen F. Austin was in the top 10? I do, because I put him in our poll then. Man, you know, look, I'll admit it, I was wrong. We all were. Everything was pointed to them being a really good team this year, but they're not. Abilene Christian should handle that business there, but we'll see. Huge game in the Big South. Big South Conference Championship on the line. North Carolina A&T at Gardner-Webb. This is a big battle in the state of North Carolina. Cannot wait to watch this one as well. What was most intriguing to me, right, when we put Gardner-Webb on our map, when we said, hey, let's talk about these guys, when broke down that schedule, one of the nastiest schedules I've seen in the FCS, to be honest. Now, you don't see their name on the list of tough schedules. There's just not a household name enough to even be put on these lists. But you got Coastal Carolina, Marshall, a one-point loss to Liberty. Yes, the same Liberty team that just beat K.J. Jefferson and the Arkansas Razorbacks. So I think these guys are super, super battle-tested. Not going to lie, I like them a lot against this A&T team. Jalen Fowler is going to be the difference maker for A&T. He's got to get the ball to his playmakers in space. Gardner-Webb is one of the better tackling teams in the country, too. We'll see. The winner hoists the trophy and gets the auto bid. And in the military classic of the South, the Citadel Bulldogs travel to Lexington, Virginia to take on VMI. Yes, sir! Boy! 
This is Army Navy for us. This is better for guys like me and you, Kev. Citadel, Grayson Underwood lit it up through the air last week. Three completions for 79 yards and a touchdown. Love it. No, all kidding aside, Kevin, if they could beat up on a team like they did last week with 11 different guys getting carries, I'm impressed. Rocking with them. We've seen what VMI has been able to do. Go ahead and check out social media. Kev is talking that trash. VMI posted a video trying to hype this game up, and they were using highlights of a game that they lost, et cetera, et cetera. Pretty embarrassing. I'm rocking with the Bulldogs here all day long. Look, anybody's game in this one, and the only question is who wants it the most? Spartan lifestyle in the barracks. You don't get a whole lot of perks because you're on the football team like you do at other places. Citadel, run to football. They have three different quarterbacks. The offense is a little different for all three. Who are we going to see? I don't know. Probably all three of them, but the winner in this one will have the bragging rights over their military rival and have that silver shako for an entire year. And look, everybody knows who I want to win. This will be a really easy game for me to pick because I'll pick this one with my heart like I always <laughs> do when it involves the Citadel Bulldogs. These are both really great schools, and this will be a whale of a game. <laughs> Welcome on into the Stone Cold Quarterback segment this week, doing things a little different. Here is Bobby Houck, head coach of the Montana Grizzlies, and his presser, along with a few of the boys getting you ready for college game day this weekend. All right, everyone, welcome to the weekly press conference from Montana State. We have team captains with us, Pat O'Connell, Mitch Roberts, and Robbie Houck, and Coach Houck. Uh, coach, we'll start with your, uh, your final <coughs> thoughts uh, after a, a dominant win for the Grizz heading into the rivalry weekend. Sure, it was, it was great to get a... Uh, dominating win over Eastern. Thought we played well in all three phases. Uh, you know, there's some things we needed to do better. We we gave up too many yards. We we're very good on third down on offense, and and I didn't think we punted it well. So uh, we'll we'll keep working on everything, trying to be better. But uh, that win puts us in the playoffs, I think. So now we can just get on and get ready for the next one. So I, I guess it's time to talk about that. Um, in terms of the rivalry game, you know, I, I know they're, uh, they're well coached. Coach Vegan does a, a great job, man. He's a good coach. He's a good man. I have a lot of respect for him and how he does it. He'll have them ready to go. Um, I'm excited for this game. I, I love playing down there. I just always have. Um, I've just always really enjoyed it. I think I saw my first college football game there and just kind of always have, have enjoyed the games down there. So, um we played well lately. Um, we're going to need to play well again in order to have a chance to win this game. Uh, I, I assume we'll be a, an underdog in the game, but we've beaten this opponent 73 times in the history of this rivalry, and outside of Nebraska's 91 over Kansas, I don't know if there's a Division One team with more wins over one opponent, so we kind of have a feeling like we ought to win this game too. Um, Preparation's interesting in our conference. You know, it's hard to get a gauge on people. Um, you know, I'm sure it's the same for them. We've seen them against, uh, you know, let's see, we've seen them against Cal Poly, Eastern Idaho State. We haven't seen them against Sac State or Idaho. They haven't seen us against Northern Arizona or, or uh, Northern Colorado. And then there's obviously some others too, but uh, we're well into our prep. We've been studying the film for 
a couple of days now. We'll probably dig into the Oregon State game a little bit because they seem to have success against them. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's time to get ready for this game, and it'll be a big game on Saturday. Coach, with game day coming down there, are you, you know, more excited about the opportunity for the state and the rivalry to be showcased, or is there any kind of feeling of being upset that they kind of snubbed Missoula last year? Which way are you leaning? It doesn't really have anything to do with us. And it's eyes on our program, which is it's good when the people are watching the Grizz. And which, um, what do you want people to take away and learn about your program you know, with this opportunity when it's all said and done? Let's, I, I'm into, let's talk about the game. I, I don't care about that stuff. I tried to indicate that. That's for you all. We, we got a game to play. Uh, do you want to start with them offensively or defensively? What do you want to do first? Uh, I'd like to talk about us. Okay. Um, <laughs> uh, what do you want to... Well... You can, you can think about it and give it to somebody else. <laughs> stumbling around. <laughs> Uh, just uh, start with Mitch, I guess. Just I mean, all, all three of you guys, players here, are all from Montana, coach as well. Just uh, Mitch, you know, being a hometown Missoula guy, just what has this game kind of meant for you? You got a chance to grow up and watch it, and get a chance to play in it now as well. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, always been a huge game growing up watching it, and um, the opportunity to play in it the last few years and this year, you know, I, it's um, always very special and. Um, means a lot to you know every Montana guy and um, the out-of-stater guys uh, learn very quickly how much it means to them as well um, and how big of a game it is so um, yeah it's it's uh, a joy to play in and I'm looking forward to it. It's, uh, to follow up on that Mitch just obviously last year you guys got the win over them to you know kind of snap their winning streak just how big was that just to experience that for this team and how, how does that build confidence going into this matchup? Well, yeah, I mean, any anytime you get a win over uh, an opponent, it's a big deal. Um, it's hard to win in uh, the Big Sky Conference. So, um, you know, any win is uh, a big deal, and uh, we try to do that every week, and uh, hopefully we can get one this week. Pat, you guys have been so good against the run this year. What have been the, the key factors that got into that? Yeah, there's a lot of factors that go into that. Obviously, it starts up front. Um, all the big guys take, taking up blocks. Um, and then a lot of stuff that we do um, isn't quite like the stuff that other people do. So um, it takes a lot of preparation to play our defense, and I think that's a huge part. Coach, it seems like in the run game, Montana State's doing different stuff than they have done the last couple of years, a lot more outside zone. What do you think of the matchup just in terms of your run defense against uh, that run scheme? Well, they're rushing for a lot of yards and putting up a lot of points. Um, Expect the quarterback to run it a lot. Um, the quarterbacks are their leading rushers. So, um, you know, there's some option component to it. Uh, you know, it's, it's similar to what they have done in the past. I mean, they, were, they ran all this stuff last year against us. You mentioned that they have two quarterbacks, but it doesn't seem like it changes much, uh, no matter if Tommy Mallott or, or Sean Chambers is in the game. Do you see that? Yeah, it's real similar. They, they aren't changing their offense. They're, they're similar guys. Um, you know, recent weeks, um, 10 hasn't played. So I, I don't know about that. But, uh, yeah, it doesn't change. Mitch, so often in this game there's so much emotion and a lot of the run games are a lot of, are stifled because they're such physical plays. So a lot of times it comes down to the outside. What do you think of just uh, your matchups on the outside and what sort of your collective mentality as receivers going into this game? Yeah, I mean, um, they, got, they got some good players. And, um, you know, we try to go into the game making plays for our team on the outside as well. Um, any given week, so I think that I mean it doesn't change. You know, um, got to go out there and make plays for my team, and um, you know, hopefully get a win. Yeah.
Robbie, some other question for you. What, what do you think has been some of the, the key factors to how well you guys have played defensively this year, particularly stopping the run? Probably just our preparation and our work ethic. Um, you know, it all starts even before the season uh, in just the standard that we're held to by our coaches and then also um, the guys on our team. So, I mean, that, that, that probably uh, is a good explanation of how we play on defense. And we're back. You're listening to FCS Nation on the Palmetto Radio Network. Now time for the pick segment. This is where Stone and I go head-to-head and pick the biggest games taking place around the FCS this week. The first on our slate of games, number 13, UC Davis, is at number one, Sacramento State, in the Causeway Classic. Ooh, as much as I want to rock with this hot UC Davis team, not going to. We're Hornet guys in these parts. 48-42, Sac State gets it done. Very tough game to pick here, like I mentioned earlier. I love what Davis has done lately, but the Hornets been doing it for years. I expect that to continue. Take Sacramento State at home over UC Davis, 38-31. Number 17, North Dakota is at number three, North Dakota State. Give me the Bison, 31-14. This UND offense does not have a lot to offer. Too much Bison running game and those Rams up front. That's what they call that group of offensive linemen there in Fargo for the Fighting Hawks to really hang around in this one for a long North Dakota will keep it close for a little bit, though. But NDSU will just wear them out in the fourth quarter. People say that's like an FBS team. I think this will be like an FBS, FCS type of game. Close for a while. Bison will wear them out in the end. Take the Bison at home, 31-17. Number 15, Montana is at number four. Montana State in the Brawl of the Wild. Cannot wait. Kev, you got me all excited thinking I might see Lucas Johnson. But I don't know. You put him on crutches. I haven't really seen any injury reports from inside that facility, so I think the Cats are going to blow them out. 38-21 in what isn't that exciting of a game, but cannot wait to see Pat McAfee get this crowd going. Look, man, are you trying to tell me that Bobby Halk might be secretive? I mean, uh, uh, you know, water's also wet, and it's also cold in Montana (laughs) in the winter. But this one's a tough game to pick. Bobcats been getting it done offensive lately. But the Grizz defense has been so good all season. I think the defense carries the Grizz to a victory. That's right. My upset special of the week. Wow. We'll take Montana to win the Brawl of the Wild on the road in Bozeman over Montana State, 31-30. to 30. Wow. Hey, man, I got to live here. Number 20, <laughs> Mercer, is at number five, Samford. Yeah, I like Samford but in this game, but I think it's going to be really close, 21-20. Bulldogs on top. Are y'all tired of hearing me say that these games are tough to pick this week and the last week of the season, rivalry week for a lot? Well, they are, and this one is no different. Mercer's fighting for their life, and Sanford's fighting for a seed. Take Sanford at home over Mercer, 38-35. Number six, Weber State is at Northern Arizona in the Red Rocks rivalry. Say that three times fast. Red Rocks rivalry, Red Rocks rivalry, Red Rocks rivalry. Nice, I did it. All right, well, I like Weber State in this one, 35-14 over the Jacks. Too much defense for Weber State here for the Lumberjacks. Take Weber State on the road to win that first ever Red Rock rivalry, 31-13. Walford's at number seven, Furman. All right. Well, I've watched a few Walford games this season until I told myself never again. I like Furman. Love that win over Mercer. They showed us a lot. Got them coming out on top 35 to 10. Walford's going to score, Kev. Walford's much improved, but the Paladins have their sights on much bigger goals than just beating Walford and finishing the regular season. Take Furman at home in Greenville over the Walford Terriers, 28-13. Number eight, William & Mary is at number 11, Richmond for the Capital Cup. Should be a whale of a game. 
Told you I was rocking with the tribe. This is most definitely a whale of a game. I'm sticking to my guns. 24-21 on top of the Spiders. I agree with you on this one. Dominant running game versus a dominant passing game. Should be no secret to anybody that listens to this show which one I favor again and again. So take the tribe on the road to beat Richmond and win the Capital Cup. Tribe 27, Richmond 24. Number nine, Incarnate Word is at Northwestern State. A lot to a little. 52-14, to 14, Incarnate Word gets it done. Incarnate Word has that explosive offense and the demons just won't be able to keep up, y'all. The word this week is seed. Take Incarnate Word on the road over Northwestern State, 48-20. Number 12, Chattanooga is at Western Carolina. It talked about it earlier. Chattanooga coming off a really, really tough loss to Sanford. We saw what Mikey Hires was able to do to these guys. Really bad taste in their mouth. WCU is a really good way to wash it out. I got them coming out on top, 28-10. Not much to see here, I don't think. The Mocs punch their ticket with a dominant win. Take Chattanooga over Western Carolina, 42-21. Number 14, Idaho, is at Idaho State. Sleeper for me. Not sure if I'm going to tune in. I'll have my notifications on. I want to see X-Squad get back on trap. They're going to win this one, 48-10. This is the Battle of the Domes, and my prediction for Idaho State here is pain. <laughs> Take the Vandals, 45-10. Kennesaw State is at number 23, Eastern Kentucky. Parker McKinney, if you're listening, if you're out there, do your thing, son. I got them coming out on top. 24 to 14, Kev. Not me, sir. Uh, Colonels win, and they are in the playoffs, I think. I think Kennesaw will spoil the party. They're going to run the football. Eastern Kentucky is susceptible to that type of thing. Take the Owls on the road, 34-28. Oh, Stephen yeah, F- Kev. Stephen but, F. Austin is at number 25, Abilene Christian. All right, well, we are new fans of Abilene Christian, right? Creeped them inside that top 25, like what they've been doing, really efficient. Not rocking with their starter, but I think they close the season off strong. They're going to beat the Lumberjacks here, 28-14. to This will be a really good game, but I like what Abilene Christian's been laying down lately, y'all, and I think they'll win. Take ACU at home over SFA, 31-28. North Carolina A&T is at Gardner-Webb. Gardner-Webb, like I said, I'm going to stick to my guns as well. I think we see a little bit more offense out of them. They're going to win this game 31-21. to I agree. Winner gets the Big South Championship and a playoff berth. I think it'll be the Gardner-Webb running Bulldogs. Take GWU over North Carolina A&T, 28-20. The Citadel is at VMI and the Military Classic of the South. Cannot wait for this one, Kev. Check this scoreline out. I got Citadel coming out on top. 10-7 to in an overtime thriller. One last hurrah and a bayonet charge for the Citadel Bulldogs here. Defense will do enough, and my boys will retain the Silver Shaco. Take the Citadel over VMI 28-27. That brings us to the end of another episode of FCS Nation on the Palmetto Radio Network. FCS Nation is produced and co-hosted by Mr. Stone Labanowitz. The marketing director for FCS Nation is Miss Stacy Marshall. On behalf of all those good people, I'm executive producer and host Kevin Marshall, reminding you that life's a lot like football. You play by the rules and the penalties won't kill you. Until next week, so long, everybody. You're listening to FCS Nation on the Palmetto Radio Network. In the Division I Football Championship subdivision, the name of the game is outsmart, outhustle, outscore. But in the FCS, it's not always about the outcome. It's also about how you play the game. It's played with passion and pride and sportsmanship. It's played with honor and integrity. And it's played in towns across America where football is a way of life. The Division I Football Championship subdivision. It's more than a game. 
What up, guys? You know the voice, Stone Lebanowitz, Kevin Marshall's co-host of FCS Nation. Just a reminder here, you can find our podcast anywhere you get your podcast. Of course, that's Apple. That is Spotify. So wherever you get your podcast, you can listen to FCS Nation. That is a reminder. Another reminder on Twitter. Give us a follow. I think we're two of the best FCS follows on Twitter, if you were to ask me. Kevin's is at FCS Nation Radio 1, and mine is at Lebanowitz Stone. Just a few reminders for you guys. Cannot wait for this weekend. Hope you enjoyed the pick segment. See you guys next week.